Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have another great guest on. And as you all know, it is always a pleasure to talk to different entrepreneurs, to hear how their story and their journey, because what we do know is the reality of entrepreneurship doesn't really line up with the theory of how people think entrepreneurship should go. But I'm also excited and want to congratulate Trent Hedge because he also was recently recognized in the Forbes 30 Under 30. So welcome to the show and congratulations, Trent. Awesome. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, absolutely. It's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, um, if it's helpful, I'm happy to give you some context on, on myself and, and what we're building at Atmos. Sound good? Yeah. What I'll say is before we jump into Atmos, um, tell us a little bit about what was your background before um, jumping into Atmos? Sure, sure. So uh, I originally started off when I was about 15 working for a company called Root Insurance uh, in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm originally from. So joined them when they were at about 10 employees. Um, they recently IPO'd about five years later so. That was kind of my first experience at a really fast growing company. Um, and I guess rewind a little bit behind that. Uh, I originally started off in kind of my gateway to, to entrepreneurship. I had started this small landscaping company when I was about 12 years old, um, ended up scaling it to about $60,000 in revenue over summer wow. um, and uh, actually taught myself how to build websites at that point. So that was kind of my initial exposure into what I could do in tech and the idea of building websites that could be accessed by the world as opposed to a small SMB in my hometown was really exciting. Um, so that's what led me to join Root. And then um, after that, fast forward a couple of years, uh, I'd worked with Root a little bit and I uh, graduated high school early to work for a company called SafeTrain, which is in the real estate tech space. Um, so joined them on their product team, primarily building out our internal sales and customer success teams, um, was really interfacing a lot with, with realtors um, and with title companies. Those are sort of the, the, the player, some of the players in the real estate transaction learned how broken the real estate process and industry is as a whole, um, and then ended up moving to San Francisco to go to college. Uh, I started my first semester interning at a venture fund there. Um, so it was about a $38 million fund um, investing in pre-seed, seed, and series A companies. Um, so ended up leaving after my first semester to join them full-time on the fund side of the house, uh, helping to deploy that capital. And then ultimately just found that it was really hard to meet folks like myself. And, and by that, I meant sort of 16 to 22 year old ambitious founders and entrepreneurs. I found it pretty easy to meet uh, interns at Facebook and Google, which where, where I'm from, those are still very high aspirations, but harder to find folks actually building really interesting companies. Um, so started this online community to meet folks like that. Um, fast forward, let's call it six months. And that's where I met my two now co-founders. So um, we were all living in a house together, and uh, I found that they were just sort of outpacing everybody. It was cool to see other young founders doing their thing. Um, lots of fun stories from that house, but we don't have to get into that. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, ended up um, out of the house and joined the, the team full time. Um, fast forward about a year and a half, and, and here we are building Atmos, which I'm happy to dive deeper on. I, wow, that that is quite the you know quite the journey. I mean, I, I'm always curious, you know, really now is to dive into Atmos and just kind of how that I you went from idea to actually building a business around the idea. So, tell us a little bit about you know the Atmos journey. Yeah, sure. Um, so we got into uh, what we're doing now back early last year. 
Um, so, uh, Nick, who's my co-founder, he grew up in a home building family, um, there in Durham, North Carolina. So his dad had built homes, the largest builder in the country. Mom worked for the largest supplier in the country. was pretty familiar with the space. Again, I had worked for a real estate tech company previously um, and just saw how broken everything was. So we were thinking a lot about what does the future of a home look like? Um, fast forward 10 to 20 years, how are homes going to be redesigned from the ground up? And what we ultimately found was that the home building process itself, um, the process of constructing a home absolutely sucks, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> Nine out of 10 people who build a home today, a custom home today, say they'll never do it again in their lives. Uh, funnily enough, there's a strong correlation between that and getting a divorce. Um, so uh, anyways, uh, we think that to, to really drive the direction of what homes look like 10 to 20 years from now, we have to fix the process that occurs today. Um, so that's how we ended up doing what we're doing. Um, we're now building our first handful of homes uh, across the Charlotte uh, region, as well as in, in the Triangle. Um, and we recently closed our, our seed extension, our seed financing uh, from Coastal Ventures to total about 6.2 million. Nice, nice. You know, that's, it's very interesting to hear you say that because I know when my wife and I were moving to Charlotte, one of the initial ideas she had is, oh, I want to build a house. And I was like, mm, there's a whole lot involved with that. So our, our marriage is still intact. So it's good to know we made the right decision. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone's like, yeah, let's build a house. And then they take a peek under the hood and they're like, I want nothing to do with this. Because <laughs> yeah, it is a, because even when I've talked to, you know, uh, friends that have built a home and, you know, one of the things that, that I saw that I did not want was like, once they got in the home, they were like, man, I wish I would have known this or I wish I would have done this differently. And it's just like they just didn't have experience. So, I mean, with the with the, the app and the technology that you guys have, you know, how does it really help people, you know, avoid some of those regrets or make that process easier? Yeah, good question. So in terms of like sort of guiding the process and how uh, it becomes uh, a better one. Um, we have a team sort of surrounding each project. So you're interfacing with your project manager. A lot of these smaller custom home builders don't necessarily have project management teams and interior designers, architects in-house. It's all sort of all over the place. So to back up a second, if I'm a home buyer right now and I want to build a house, I'm typically going to go find a realtor who can help me locate a lot. I'm then going to go and on like Thumbtack, Angie's List, House, et cetera, and find a few builders, probably interview them, and then uh, come out two to three months later, finally having had a price uh, on what my home will cost. And then from there, that builder will have brought in an outsourced architect. Maybe they have a designer, maybe they don't. So at the end of the day, you end up interfacing with about 24 different parties. Um, so the entire process is spread out. That's frankly why it's very broken. And that's why it leads to so many uh, timeline overages and, and costs overages as well. Um, wow. So the, the, big, the big thing here is bringing this all under one roof and bringing it online. So when home buyers step onto our site, they can see prices for floor plans immediately. Um, they don't have to talk to us for two to three months just to get a price. Um, we will modify the plans in house. We have our project managers in house. Um, and we have, again, applied some, some tech to be able to better price our homes. So uh, instead of looking at a home and be like, yeah, I think that would cost, you know, $400,000. It's, hey, we actually looked at every material going into this house down to the stud. And here's what it will cost. Um, so we find that that, that 
uh, helps out quite a bit. And if the cost ever goes above what we say it will, once we begin construction, we ultimately cover it instead of the home buyer. Wow, that is pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> now, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, when you go from idea to actually, you know, starting to build a business around your idea, what was that journey like for you guys? Yeah, it's a good question. I think like, frankly, that that didn't happen too long ago. So we originally started with talking to home buyers, understanding the process, and frankly, just trying to figure out what we really needed to build to improve this process. Um, It's only more recently that I would consider we've really started building a company, which means we're now uh, hiring employees. We're responsible for the food they put on their table every night. We're building out processes um, and we're we're building something that allows us to scale. So I think it's really important to kind of segment out those two different parts of building a company. Um, But in terms of what that's looked like, uh, I mean, fortunately, we again, we've been able to raise some capital that's allowed us to do that much faster than maybe a non-venture backed company. Um, but it hasn't been easy. I, we're, we're somewhat of a, a young team in the sense that I'm 20 years old. Some of my co-founders are, are 22 and, and this is some of our first times building a company. Um, so I've, I've had to learn a lot if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> so whether it's like managing dynamics, um, uh, interpersonal dynamics, um, or, even allowing people to have, I think, very clear, very clear uh, direction. I think that's the biggest thing. So when building an early stage company, it's very easy to see like the fastest scroll running by and be like, yeah, let's go do that. Um, <laughs> turns out you have a bunch of people just running in all directions then. So I think the job of founders in an early stage company is to give everybody clarity on what they need to be doing every day. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. No, I, I think that is probably one of the the best ways or clearest ways that I've heard it put because even as I spend time with a lot of a lot of founders and a lot of CEOs like on this show I mean we've done we've done over 225 interviews in 2020 and just talking to a ton of founders and that's one of those things that even the most experienced struggle with is really how do you start to, you know, build the team around the idea that you guys are going for? Yeah. So sure. when you think about, you know, you kind of where you guys are, 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 are where you have been and then just kind of the opportunity that's before you, what does the future for your company look like? Yeah. Great question. So Home building as a whole, or the real estate industry is one of the biggest industries in the world. Um, it's a multi-trillion dollar industry. Um, it's been around for centuries now at this point. Um, and so there's a lot that can be done. Um, in the next year or so, we re- really want to get to the point where uh, Atmos is, is sort of a name brand within the home. If you think about when you move into a home, let's say uh, Lennar, one of these bigger home builders, uh, let's say you invite your friends over for a housewarming party. No one really asks, hey, where did you build this awesome home? And they say, I have a Lennar home. Um, <laughs> that doesn't really happen. <laughs> and no diss to Lennar. One of, their, one of their board members is one of our investors. They're awesome. But like, the reality is I, we, we want people to love the home that they've built, both the process and the home itself, and be proud of building an Atmos home. So I think that's sort of the next one to three years is, is making uh, Atmos uh, sort of a, a household name, uh, at least within our markets that we operate in. So again, Charlotte and the Triangle. Um, and part of that is us successfully building hundreds of homes. Um, 
And then from here, for, for once, let's say fast forward a year or so, uh, we'd love to be able to expand into other markets. So um, think these other sort of secondary, uh, not secondary, but rather emerging markets um, mm-hmm. that, that are experiencing hyper growth, just like Charlotte. So um, Austin, Texas, Denver, Colorado, Miami, Florida, et cetera. Okay, nice, nice. And I guess, what was that experience of going through raising the funds like for you guys? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I can tell you that it's not easy. Uh, during our, <laughs> so, so we had a few different uh, sort of tranches of investment. So first, I'll say that if, if any of you listening have ever heard of Y Combinator, um, they're sort of a startup like school, um, where, or an accelerator rather. Um, and we got rejected, I think three times before we got in. Um, for, fourth time ended up getting in. Uh, but that was while we were raising our seed rounds. So we had closed about a million out of $2 million. Um, and multiple times throughout that process, we were like, man, should we, should we just should we just throw in the sack? Are we raising at the right time? Um, we talked to you know, over 100 investors. We really had to pound the pavement. So anyways, by the end of it, we had an awesome syndicate of investors. And you kind of get over this hump where like, it's really hard. It's really hard. And then you hit this sort of uh, tr- I don't know if I want to call it like a trial of enlightenment, but something in, where something changes and then it, it gets much easier. So um, that was the seed round. Um, and then the seed extension, fortunately, we had a really strong lead investor um, early on being Kosla. Um, Evan, our partner there, had previously joined the, the team early on at Opendoor, who um, we they're in our space as well. He's pretty familiar with what we're working on. And he was also one of the co-founders of DoorDash. Um, so uh, we all in all, we have over 30 or so investors on the cap table, which is a lot to manage. Um, but uh, the, the fundraising process hasn't been easy, but it's, it's, it's been uh, very fulfilling as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, it's one of those things when you when I think about like, you know, the, a cap table of 30, um, that, that was quite a quite a fun trial of uh, managing all those. I remember when I worked for uh, a Fortune 100 company and we had 21 in Wall Street analysts and just having to provide reporting, answer questions to just 21 people uh, yeah. who had questions. I couldn't imagine 30. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I, we're, we're fortunate to have a, lo- a large section of those 30 investors um, have been from like founders and operators who get what we're doing. And so they're like, hey, you do your thing. You build the company. We don't... <laughs> We know things are changing every day right now. It's still early. Like, let's we'll we'll look at at uh, we'll ask for financial reports later on. So, anyways, <laughs> I think we're probably set to a different standard than than a Fortune 100 company. But okay, well that's good. Yeah, because I, I will say you know that that's always interesting when you know when founders say oh you know they're excited that they raise money. And they're like, oh, now we can go build a business. I was like, you do realize you're going to have to manage those relationships now. You're not yeah. going to only just be building the business. And it's like, you know, so it's good to hear that you said your, your investors understand where you guys are and can really give you the space to go really build the business. But on that note, I will say you hear a lot of founders asking, should we raise institutional money? Just meaning, should we raise from a proper fund? Um, and a lot of people always push for it because it kind of gives you signaling value within the fundraising climate. It gives you someone who's really championing your company all the time, maybe even an active board member. But with that comes a lot of trade-offs, right? So we, in our first uh, portion of the seed, so sort of the, the seed one, we did not take on any institutional investors. 
uh, well, we did, but they didn't have uh, any sort of majority stake in that round. Um, and for that reason, it made things a lot easier, allowed us to move faster. Now, um, with the seed extension, we have taken on institutional investors and we do owe those big funds reporting and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I would say that it's important, though, to recognize um, when it is and is not the right time to bring on those folks. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Now, for all the listeners, where can they find you guys online or on social media to follow the story of how the company's going or to, to utilize your services? Yeah, good question. Um, easily just go to buildatmos, B-U-I-L-D-A-T-M-O-S.com um, and feel free to start configuring a home. It's kind of a fun experience. Um, and then uh, feel free to reach out to me directly as well. If you'd like, I'm always happy to help. Just Trent at buildatmos.com. Um, and we were, I think this past week featured as uh, Charlotte Innovations, like breakout startups of 2021. So maybe you saw us there in uh, another publication like Forbes or Business Insider. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, Trent, one last question I like to ask every guest that comes on is when you think about, you know, where you've been, your journey, your story, you know, what's two pieces of advice you would share with other business owners? Yeah, this is always one of my favorite questions. Um, the first one, and for the record, I, I haven't figured it all out yet. I still have a lot to figure out. <laughs> uh, but the first one that I would say is um, when you hear that you should go find a mentor to learn from, and this is just applies to anyone doing anything sort of entrepreneurial, um, you always hear that, that you should go find a mentor. And I think that that's great advice and that will always be true. However, what's a little undervalued is finding people that you can learn with and alongside from. Uh, so... For me, uh, it's been super helpful to have people that they can get shed their 20, 30, 40 years of experience uh, onto whatever I'm doing. However, frankly, they're not where I'm at right now, right? So they can't really relate. Uh, things have changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and so finding other people, uh, young founders, uh, and for the record, they have to be young. It's just wherever you are, um, age doesn't really matter that has been probably the most helpful because I'm able to see what they're doing. They're able to see what I'm doing and we're able to kind of share insights back and forth. Um, I recently started angel investing a little bit. So writing small checks into founders that I really believe in. And this has actually kind of helped me do that a little bit. So people who are at a very similar stage to us, um, it's, it's a nice added benefit to be able to support them financially, but more importantly, kind of connect with them and understand what's going on in their world. So I'd say that's the biggest thing. Um, again, learning with people alongside you who are in a similar place is just very undervalued. Um, the second one, uh, I would say, sorry, give me one second. Uh, the second one uh, is just that no one really knows what they're doing. Um, and by that, I mean, you hear all the time or you kind of feel all the time, like everyone around you has it figured it out. And I think this is particularly pertinent for early stage founders and entrepreneurs. Um, when in reality, no one really does. Everyone's trying to figure it out on the fly. And I think the earlier you remember this or recognize this, the better. So um, for me, like I've always, I've always thought, I guess at a certain point that the people were more experienced than me, that um, I what shouldn't be building X company or that um, I shouldn't reach out to this person because they, they're not going to have time for me. The truth is that like one, people are much more receptive to talking to you, but more importantly, um, they are also just trying to figure it out no matter what stage they're at. 
So I think that's the biggest thing. And, and frankly, like, I don't want to look at my life 10 to 20 years from now and say, I didn't put myself out there because I thought others were more experienced than me when really they were in the same boat. So for me, it's about recognizing that as early as possible. Awesome. Well, Trent, thank you so much for coming on, um, sharing your story, um, talking about, you know, the wisdom that you had to share and just the lessons that you're learning. We'll definitely include a link so people can find you guys online and follow the story and see all the great things. And can they can go out there and start, you know, building a home. So yeah. thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the Business Talk Library is the place where business makes sense.